Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And welcome, everybody, to a new week in the booth. Starting the uh, week a day late. Martin Luther King Day yesterday. Hope everybody enjoyed the day off and a little retrospection on uh, Dr. Martin Luther King and then uh, back at it today go from uh, MLK Day which is a day for matinees uh, basketball even hockey they played day games we're going to a Tuesday night 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 late game a 9 o'clock start at the Carrier Dome tonight is the Orange take on the Pitt Panthers it ends today the Orange have lost uh, four in a row and uh, they're still heavily favored against this uh, Pitt team that I would challenge really anybody, even if you follow basketball closely, to name a single player on this uh, Pittsburgh team that's going to appear in the game tonight with uh, Ryan Luther, their best player, out for the year due to injury, a stress fracture. Literally, basically nobody. They have one player who's going to play in the game tonight who's ever played against Syracuse before. Demetrius Gore? No. And you're not going to remember his name either um, because it was uh, not a contribution of uh, significance. So... While we want to talk about Syracuse being young and developing, and that's all true, this is a pit team that is uh, freshman-laden. they got a junior college guy. They've completely overhauled the roster from a team that last year actually had some pretty good players and uh, happened to go sub-500 on the year, 16 and, and 17, and Kevin Stallings' first year. So uh, they are... The uh, bottom dwellers of the ACC this season, and the Orange play them in two of the next three games. This is an opportunity for Syracuse really to make some hay. The only caveat on that is, if you've been paying attention to the league, yep, anybody can beat anybody, anybody can lose to anyone uh, in the conference. That's kind of been proven out, but uh, Pitt has not been competitive in its uh, ACC games, and uh, the Orange uh, should enter this one with a get-well type perspective but uh, you never want to take that too much uh, for granted in terms of the way this one shakes out nine o'clock start time tonight seven thirty pregame show for us on our sister station tk 99 hope you'll join us for that in the orange and pit then uh, really a much needed break mentally if more than anything for all this stuff you talk about with the number of minutes that are being played by the key three players, Tyus Battle, Frank Howard, O'Shea Brissett. They're one, two, three in the ACC in minutes played. They've also been kind of heavy minutes because you're pressing in desperation. You're uh, going against a couple of tough teams on the road. These have not been uh, minutes of coasting or anything like that. The fact that there's not a game between tonight and a week from tomorrow night, uh, I think, is welcomed for this Syracuse team. Then they'll have the back-to-back home games because Boston College is in on uh, Wednesday of next week. Then Pittsburgh, which is a, as gentle a road game as you can hope for. Uh, Pitt, and we're going to talk with Tim Benz of uh, ESPN Radio Pittsburgh later in the show. Uh, Pitt at one time was the most intimidating uh, road trip in the Big East. 
one of the most in the ACC, but uh, not right now, not the way this uh, roster is uh, constituted and, and what they've got going on there. So that is a road game that, uh, again, the Orange will be favored in. And then uh, Georgia Tech. So while Syracuse has lost four in a row, uh, the ACC taketh, but it also giveth. And uh, you have an opportunity here maybe to uh, win as many as four straight. Coach Beheim has never had a five-game losing streak, by the way. That's pretty amazing. Yes, it is. Well, it's, it's uh, you know the program that has the longest active streak of winning seasons, and uh, I think that's taken for granted. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh, pretty good program. Pittsburgh won a whole lot under Jamie Dixon. Kevin Stallings has won a whole lot at Vanderbilt, and you figure he's a good enough coach to, to keep it going. They had a losing record last year. All the blue blood programs that you want to name, North Carolina and Duke and Kansas and UCLA, all have had a losing season more recently than Syracuse. Um, so while there's, uh, when things don't go well, there's the fear, oh my God, they're not going to win a game in the conference, they're not going to make either tournament, the blah, blah, blah. Breaks down, easy now. Um, even if that were to happen, the idea of a losing season um, is foreign around here. Uh, no reason to think it's going to happen <laughs> this year either, but um, there was certainly some talk of it last year and uh, earlier this year, and uh, do not take that for granted that that has been an occurrence everywhere. We're talking about uh, Mike Hopkins and the resurgence he's made at Washington, which is extraordinary. They won eight games last year with uh, the top pick in the draft or close to it. If you'd like to join us by phone, you can at 437-7644-ESPN44. If you'd like to uh, chime in on the conversation, we've got a little old business to get to before we uh, work our way through the show. And uh, have we checked the poll result here recently, Polly, after uh, our fun day Friday? We had uh, casual jeans Friday, et cetera, uh, in here and got going on some scratch-off tickets. You had put forth the poly life hack, which was... Do not scratch off tickets given to you by someone else in front of them because then you have to share it with them. So, my big mouth, I bring in tickets that I bought, I paid for. Joe physically went down the block and bought. And lo and behold, while we scratch off three on the air and we all come up with bupkis, what then happened? I, uh, on my own, scratched off a couple and won 11 bucks. Was it? It was one eleven dollar. Well, I had one break even ticket of one dollar and one ten dollar ticket. Okay, so I went twice. Wow. Probably that whole fistful. We had twenty dollars worth of tickets. Uh, I assume it was twenty dollars worth of tickets because now I'm, it, it, I'm uh, recalling that Joe didn't bring me any change back. <laughs> <laughs> he won eleven uh, bucks too. Yeah, I was gonna say. Right, he won it the easy <laughs> way. He just pocketed the change. Um, so. At last check I saw, I put out on Twitter a poll uh, leaving the show the other day on the, the way to uh, the bus on the way to the airport. I said, look, here's what happened on the show. Where do you stand? Does Pauly get all of the money, $11? Does he get half the money, 550 Or does he get a third of the money given that you know you were the recipient I paid for and Joe actually went to buy? You know, I, I did the buying. Joe did the flying. You just did the winning. I did the scratching. It's, it's, you did don't, the scr- don't, don't underestimate how Was much effort it took. Was there some skill involved in, in the scratching? Yeah. The results are in. By okay. The way. 106 and, and, votes, too. That's a pretty decent amount for a Twitter 
poll that of this <laughs> stupid of a topic. <laughs> right, right. Uh, coming in third, sixteen percent, three dollars and sixty seven. Yeah, a third of it. Split it. Split it even. Coming in second at twenty five percent, five dollars and fifty cents. That one's hard to follow because would that just be for me and Joe gets you, none? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, winning at fifty nine percent would I be I get all eleven dollars. Yeah, you can have it. You can. All right, maybe I'll buy a sandwich on the road for you someday. That well, that'd be a first. <laughs> With my eleven dollars. Yeah. Um. Well, good. Take that to the bank. Maybe now, would you buy eleven dollars more of scratch offs or no? Eleven dollars in you Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. See where that takes you. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll buy eleven dollars worth of scratch offs and bring them in. We can all scratch them off. And then what? Now, what if you give it back and I win? Take it all. Yeah, that's I guess karma. so. Right, that's, that's karma. That's how it goes. That's kind of the what goes around comes around situation where it uh, sort of foretells what we're going to get into next, which was the tremendous finish of the Vikings and Saints game. That's sports, right? The Saints just had that. That could have been an epic finish in their own right. They had the late field goal, nice drive. They win the game. No, sir. It uh, turned around in a hurry, and. Uh, that's sports for you. We've seen a little bit of that along the way. You know, the other thing I was going to, um, not that we would gamble on such a thing, uh, but I was going to bring up on Friday, and I regret that I didn't, especially now the, the way it turned out. How about uh, my Chip Bears knocking off West Hill in the, the Zebra Classic? We, we should have had a little wager on that. That was a killing, too. It was, 15-point game. Yeah. West Hill doesn't lose by 15, did just anybody. Well, Sean Dady was out, one of the better players in the area. He got a good dad too, but uh, the uh, yeah the Bears Bears challenged them. The Bears only lost by one on the road. That's that was a that's a pretty good that's a quality road loss <laughs> for their resume. And then uh, come back at Lemoyne and just stomp West Hill. Is it the Warriors? It is. Yeah, I haven't been to a West Hill high school basketball game since 1990. I don't think. So. Yeah, I'm probably in the same same category. Maybe one. I think I've been to one chit game in the new gym. If they play in the in the playoffs, maybe we'll go right. together. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Face paint. <laughs> do it up. All right, good stuff. Okay, well, we're off and running extraordinarily warm in the studio today. Or is that just me? No, it's warm. It's normally 40 below in here. Well, I don't get it. I, I sort of dressed accordingly. I did not put on my uh, game day shirt and tie and all that for tonight, thinking it's not comfortable in here anyway. Those of us uh, watching on, on Facebook Live, typically very chilly in the uh, palatial studios here of Galaxy Communications and ESPN Radio, and today quite toasty well, for no apparent reason. I want to get your uh, temperature on uh, Florida like State. Like what you did there. Uh, your takeaways from Oh, on the that, game? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot I was going to talk about yeah. that. It was a game, too. Uh, we can get into that. Yeah, I was... Uh, Howard Washington seemed to be... Su- Workable? Uh, yeah, he didn't uh, throw up on himself, if that's what uh, people were worried about. And he hasn't done that. I think the thing with with Washington is this is not a big deal to him. He's played major high school plus ball. It's not really prep school, but it, these are elite high schools where you go because you want to play Division One basketball and NBA basketball. When you play at Montverde, um, who has you know 11 and 12 Division One players, and you play at Athlete Institute – that's not, you know, Canisius High School in Buffalo where he started with all due respect and, and dominated as a, you know, as a freshman. He was all city. Um, so he's not rattled. It's also why he 
does some questionable things. I think he does. He doesn't get in there um, and play in kind of a conservative. I don't want to screw up way. And he's taken a couple of questionable shots, et cetera. As Coach Beheim will point out, and you'll hear it tonight on the the pregame show with him. He does. You sacrifice defense when you put him in. When you go three guards, um, you're in trouble defensively because. Uh, you want the strength of the defense is to have Frank Howard and Tyus Battle six five six six at the front line of the defense. When you're in any other combination, you put yourself um, at a significant risk. You know you're not taking Battle out of the game. Period. Which, by the way, if you want to talk about what did the Florida State game take out of people, you know I don't know that I really want to hear it because yes, it was emotional. Yes, there was a lot left there. Um, certainly if they'd won, you, you don't have those conversations. You're talking about the spring and the step of a, of a road win. The only guy really that played significant minutes beyond what he normally does, you know, is, is Tyus Battle. And he's your most conditioned player and the guy that you want to have on the floor. So they were right back at practice yesterday, uh, ready to rock and roll. There's a little bit of a longer wait. In fact, I don't know if the wait actually helps uh, in this type of scenario. I think you might want to get right back on the floor after a near miss for uh, what would have been a nice road win. But, uh, no, I think Howard Washington's a guy that you can put in there as needed when Frank Howard gets in foul trouble, et cetera. I don't know that the three-guard lineup is really something that suits them for more than just trying to maybe get some sort of offensive strike. He's not a shooter. You know, he's one of ten from three-point range, made one uh, there the other day. To this point, at least, he has not demonstrated himself to, to be a tremendous shooter. And I wanted to run through one uh, other thing from the game with you. The the battle passing the ball to Brissett for the final shot. Two things I took away from it, and I'm going to ask you if we thought, should battle have taken the shot and should Brissett have taken the ball to the basket? Yeah, I don't have a problem with battle uh, passing. I think that we were all in agreement that um, you would love to have gone down. A, the way you want to put your head on the pillow there is not Brissett shooting a three. It's Brissett driving, you know, create action try to get to the basket if you don't maybe there's a foul and you're bailed out that way um you know Brissett has made a couple of threes he's not a gifted you know strong three-point shooter uh at this point and uh that one at the, at the end of uh, overtime number one uh, was not the most uh, preferable result so um would have been nice to have seen that happen a little bit differently and uh for as much as we thought maybe the orange um could be in trouble and and staring at a four-game losing streak they really were one play away, a bounce here or there, had three players foul out uh, in that game at uh, Florida State, and that could have been, you know, the end of that streak and uh, a nice road win in conference, et cetera, but uh, it was not to be. Now the Orange at 1-4 and four are home tonight against uh, Pittsburgh, who is winless in conference action. We'll have more on that game uh, throughout the show, including when we visit with Tim Benz of ESPN Radio Pittsburgh a bit later. More to come as we continue just getting going in the booth here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Syracuse returns home to meet Pitt tonight. Pre-game starts at 7.30, tip-off at 9 on TK99 and ESPN AM 1200. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Welcome back In the Booth. It's brought to you by CH Insurance and Burdick Toyota. You can join us by phone at 437-7644-4ESPN. 44. We're going to break down the uh, play-by-play calls of the Vikings-Saints game in a segment that might have interest only to me and uh, talk with uh, Tim Benz of ESPN Radio Pittsburgh about all that's going on 
in the Steel City, not just uh, the Orange basketball game tonight against Pitt, but uh, obviously a brutal finish for the Steelers as they fall to the Jaguars. Mike Tomlin now in trouble, and Andrew McCutcheon on his way to the San Francisco Giants. So uh, off weekend for Pittsburgh. John on the phone is uh, with us now. Hello, John. What's happening? Hi, Matt. I was just sitting here listening to your show, and I, you know, Sorry I've been to listening that. to a lot of these local shows for a long time, Steve Hyder and them, mm-hmm. and it just seems lately that it seems like you're, these shows, you're getting less and less people calling in about SU basketball, and it's striking to me that this program is starting to get irrelevant. And, you know, like the football program, I mean, they're fighting a war they can't win, and it's almost like Syracuse is heading in the same direction. What do you think? Uh, my first reaction to that, number one, is people in general call radio shows less. The For whatever reason that it is that motivates you to call now or Stephen North Syracuse to call or Pat in Syracuse, more people used to feel that motivation because that was their way to interact with the, the product. Um, I don't know. I'm glad you called. I don't know what compelled you to call just now. Maybe, I, maybe you think, hey, I've got something I want to add to the conversation, and, and you jump in. Because of Twitter, because of how much smaller the world has gotten and chat rooms, people can get whatever it is off their chest in ways other than calling radio shows, is my opinion. I, don't, I think it's more reflective of the medium and the way people consume the product than the product. Okay. Thank you. Well, there you go. <laughs> There's the end of that call. Well, we could have talked it through a little bit there, John. Do you agree with that there, Paulie? Yeah, and, and I don't think basketball will ever be irrelevant in Syracuse. No, it's not. There's a, First of all, the biggest proof that it's irrelevant is it is um, recession-proof, basically. right? Obviously, when they're going to the Final Four and, and all of that, people are rolling in it, can't get enough. It's the biggest thing going. When they're not, like last year was a tough season. You know, they had a losing record in the conference for a while, and and we talked about you know fear of of losing record or, or whatever uh, overall for the the season at one point last year. People talk about that. You know, it 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 is you know how people get through the winter around here. I don't think it's losing uh, relevancy at all. I think some of the ways that we used to measure that in terms of attendance and all of that are naturally going to dip. You know, to John's point, well, who did John mention right up the, the bat? He's a friend of ours, Steve Hyder. Steve Hyder hasn't been on the air in this market in 20 years. <laughs> okay, 20, right? Close to it. All of 15, oh, right? Make me feel old. Yeah. Right, 15. I mean, I've been here 15. He hasn't been here yeah. since I've been here. Um, so... That's a long time ago, you know, and uh, so I think everyone's frame of reference needs to maybe be updated a little bit. The idea of 29,900 at the game, as was the case in 1989 when Syracuse had, you know, five NBA players on the floor, that's a different era. Not every game was on TV and, and uh, you know, not everybody had a 50-inch flat screen at home and all of those things that have changed the way um, the product is consumed and you know, I think it's a great topic for for another time. But just a quick response to to John. I do I think Syracuse basketball is irrelevant, not in the slightest. Something really funny happened. You didn't get the luxury of seeing uh, during the game against Florida State. I was on Twitter and watching the game on television, and the satellite feed went out for the game during the television broadcast, and it had gone from on Twitter uh, 
I can't watch this garbage. I can't watch this garbage. This where is stinks. This? Where is this garbage? Bring back my garbage. You know, yeah. it's really funny. Nobody's going anywhere. You know, so yeah. I mean, uh, it's what people. You know, and then there's also that whole idea of hope. You know, that's part of being a sports fan. I, I think we all we haven't gotten a ton into it about next year's team. I don't really like doing that because I like this year's team, and I I'm going to go to all, you know it's my job. I'm going to go to all this year's games, and. The rise and fall and the, the telling the story, that to me is why I'm a sports fan and why I'm a sportscaster and uh, and really enjoy it. And so if this year they don't make the tournament, yeah, it's good, whatever. It's going to be disappointing, but it's part. It's this year's story. Next year they're going to be really good, you know, and have a, a, lot, a lottery pick or two. And, and you know, we, we'll look at it that way, you know. So um, I wish John kind of stuck out. Call again sometime, John. We'll, uh, we'll kind of work out your feelings there a little bit. There's a lot to like about this team too. Yeah, they hustle. They they do. Well, they play everything. hard. I don't. I don't remember another year where the theme that we talked about as a given was, "Hey, these guys are really leaving everything out there, and they're they're playing hard all the time." And that doesn't mean that we've sat here questioned effort uh, for a great deal. But you know, my thing for years that I've said, "Why did Syracuse have this long losing streak to Pittsburgh?" You know, for a time, Pittsburgh plays dirty. And I don't mean I shouldn't say that word because I don't mean unsportsmanlike. I mean they, they get, get dirty. They get on the ground. So loose balls. Syracuse bends over for loose balls. Pittsburgh dives for loose balls. Well, you know what? This year's team's diving for loose balls. Marek Dolajai dives for loose balls. Matthew Moyer crashes into the table. You know he's given effort. Is he a uh, you know five star super athlete uh, in the way that Jeremy Grant was or you know some of these guys? No, but. So it's a different uh, type of thing, and that's you know, you you get into all of it, I think. And uh, but no, if if uh, John's premise was that because people don't call the radio station to talk about the team that people aren't paying attention to the team, I I'm calling false on that. Inside radio nerdy thing too is I think in my lifetime they say maybe one percent of your listening audience calls right. to, to radio shows. Well it's funny, just when I think nobody's listening, we do one of those, you know, fifth caller gets tickets, phone lines blow up. Yeah. I mean, you know we're welcome to take callers at any time. I just don't know I've never been one of those who's called radio shows or has felt like motivated to do it. So I'm not really sure I do a great job in motivating you to do it. You know, um, you know, if you want to get into something controversial that that's not really my bag in terms of um taking false uh, controversial positions to spark callers or whatever, but um, there are people that do that, you know, but uh, that's not really my cup of tea. So it's not like I'm discouraging uh, people to call and and interact with the show, but we're going to be fine without you. We've we've got other people to talk to and things to talk about, but if you'd like to call, you're welcome. It's also much easier to tweet because nobody can call you dumb or or contradict what you're saying. It's, you know, you're not holding online. You don't have to look up the number, boom, boom, you know, and your 14 followers or your 1,400 followers um, can pick up on that. And Twitter is um, an echo chamber. Twitter is uh, for the affirmation. People follow uh, like-minded people. They retweet stuff they agree with. Um, and then there's obviously some back and forth and, and that type of thing. But uh, topic for another time. Let's get into this Vikings-Saints um, finish, which really was an epic game we're still talking about it and uh, i thought it interesting as i often do and in terms of teaching future uh, broadcasters too we use this as an example of uh the network call versus the home call of uh of either side and so it's uh fun in this case to uh 
listen to the Vikings and Saints finish the Stefan Diggs 61 yard uh, touchdown reception. And uh, let's start it off first with really the gold standard in uh, football on the radio in terms of his level of description. Kevin Harlan of Westwood One. It's third down and 10. Keenum is in the gun from his 39. Four man front, six in the secondary. Shotgun snap. He moves up. He moves up. He throws a long line drive on the near side. Leaping to a catch made. Oh my goodness. It's going to go in for the touchdown. Grabbed by Tibbs. He broke a tackle. 61 yard touchdown throw. The Vikings have won. The Minnesota Vikings have won. That's uh, a masterpiece by Kevin Harlan, who, uh, you know, to me, does an absolutely incredible job on on football play by play and uh, is a joy to listen to and it's unlike him to be searching for the right word or to be stunned and he in his amazement there uh, was able to to uh, paint the whole picture in a in a vivid way did an awesome job there yeah I thought I agree with you he's the best at, at describing something this play was so shocking that it even caught him off guard it was a catch and a touchdown and normally you get every yard. Right. Well, how he caught it. Well, then... that's the thing because you 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 know as he says, leaping two hand catch, which which he does, and and might we'll get into my feelings on Kevin Harlan another time, but um, he, you know, the rest of it is history. Obviously, once he breaks away from that pack of three saints, away he goes, and now it's more um, carrying the enthusiasm of the moment as that oh my gosh uh, type concept that uh, you're seeing around all of the Vikings fans at home you know the fact that the game's in Minnesota when that happens uh, leads to exaltation versus uh, leading to silence and so um, that's how you do it that was a, a tremendous piece of work Joe Buck nailed it as well on uh, on television where you don't have to say quite as much because the the pictures are there to tell the story then we'll have uh, Paul Allen and uh, Pete Bursich of the Vikings Unfortunately, in this case, we're talking about Paul Allen and Pete Bursich because uh, Bursich had his enthusiasm as a former Viking uh, boil over. If you're ever going to have a boil over, I guess this would be the, the moment to do it. Paul Allen, just as a little bit of background, is a guy who's known. He's been doing the Vikings games for a long time. On the homer scale, he would be on the upper end. Uh, he's a guy who really kind of gets the personal uh, fan emotion uh, into his calls, and uh, this one's certainly no exception. Ten seconds to go. 24-23 Saints. Vikings at their own 39. It's third down. Three receivers right, field, and left. Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay up. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. That's 30. No Kay. Well, he was excited, had that Minneapolis miracle line. He wanted to come back to that and jam it in and uh, see if he can get the T-shirts. Bill, come back to that real quick, Paul, because he actually, for to me, I've always thought of uh, Paul, obviously he's uh, extremely capable and has a great job and has done it uh, well for a long time, but is thought to be one of these you know guys who really gets into it from the, the fan perspective, which is uh, to each their own. That being said, he does an awesome job of setting this up before the play, where everybody is, uh, the likelihood of where they're going to go, where the the defense is, and then the color guy just goes crazy. And I think the appeal in this for fans, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is the visceral 
reaction where this is Pete Bursich playing the Chris Gedney role. Gedney would do the same thing in a situation like this. 10 seconds to go. 24-23 Saints. Vikings at their own 39. It's third down. Three receivers right, field, and left. Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay oh, my God. Oh, my God. 30. No. The Minneapolis miracle. I think we've all been guilty of doing that in the past. It's a, you know the one of the more famous ones in in uh, recent years was the kick six in the Iron Bowl, Alabama Auburn. It's a miracle at Jordan Hare, and then that particular announcer, Rod Bramlett, then goes right out and trademarks the phrase, and they've got T-shirts and that kind of stuff. Uh, such as life in uh, our generation. So that's uh, Paul Allen. Allen, uh, if you could YouTube some of his stuff he's the one who you know the Vikings are heading to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago until uh, Brett Favre throws an interception that loses the game for him. I think that was actually against the Saints as well it's the Super Bowl man and uh, kind of uh, you could hear him taking out his frustration for the season ending in that way and missing a trip uh, to the Super Bowl and then lastly is uh, Jim Henderson of the Saints, this is how it uh, goes down when the team that you think is going to the you work for that's going to the NFC Championship game sees it go up in smoke in the final seconds. Third and ten from the Viking 39. Precious seconds left on the clock. The Vikings need a completion and an apparent field goal attempt. Here's Keenan. Dropping, looking, throwing near sideline, and it's caught by Stefan Diggs. He's going to take it inside the 15, 10, 5, touchdown on the final play of this game. Are you kidding me? Good job there. Uh, still carried the emotion. Obviously, their booth uh, goes quiet and somber, but uh, professional got the job done, told us where everybody was. and Interesting stuff there. Enjoy doing that, hearing the uh, the various ways the same play is viewed and shared with the people. All right, we're a little behind here. We'll take a break. Come back with Joe for Do We Care? Tim Benz of ESPN Radio Pittsburgh will give us a few minutes on what all is happening in the Steel City when we continue in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Here's Joe Salzone. I don't care. Members of the Cleveland Cavaliers are not happy, apparently. Sources say several players on the Cavs are becoming increasingly concerned that the team will not be able to get back on track and win a championship. The Cavs were beaten Monday by the Golden State Warriors, 118-108. to Is that the most Joe way ever to introduce a story? <laughs> Joe sounds like the guy who just arrived from Mars to watch sports <laughs> and- the uh, Coming to America gang, the Giants of New York, Could the you J- Jets of New York, and the Packers of Green Bay. Could you name a Cleveland Cav? So, uh, two, the second one. LeBron? Yeah, yeah besides come on. that. Uh, uh, well, that one was a... I wasn't, oh, I wasn't 100% he knew LeBron. <laughs> uh, no, I could not name a second person. It's not Michael uh, Jordan, right? He's, he's you know, not playing anymore. T- to me, the, the uh, NBA has become WWE now. You know, <laughs> uh, this thing with Carmelo, oh, I'm done with the refs, the... The, the season is so long, and the outcome is basically predetermined. We, we could 
list the final four teams out of a group of you know six or so. So the regular season, there are all kinds of things they're carving up to for our uh, consumption. This happens to be one. Whatever. Cavs are going to be there at the end. They're good. Dale Earnhardt Jr. joining NBC Sports. The network says a NASCAR legend will participate in coverage of the Super Bowl and the Winter Olympics. That's a little weird. Um, I think. Do they not have? Don't they have NASCAR? No, I guess the Daytona's on Fox. Uh, Earnhardt, I think, would be good on TV. I mean, to me, you got to if you can put him on, he's got to be on NASCAR. He's got to be on what he knows. He among NASCAR drivers, he is a guy who follows football. Uh, the Winter Olympics, eh, I, I just, you know, him interviewing a uh, a downhill skier, I don't know that it, that does it that much for me. You know, as far as crossover guys go, Brad they Doherty. could do some could, yeah, but Brad Doherty is involved in NASCAR and is a, you know, owned a race team. You know, that Dale Earnhardt has a fantasy football team. It's not, <laughs> it's not like, um, you know, could Tony, Tony Romo's a scratch golfer and I would think would be a credible golf reporter or, or commentator. And he has such a enthusiasm and is good on television. Could he go out and interview a ski jumper? Tony Romo probably could. Earnhardt, maybe. I would just need to see more. So I find that a little odd. If he's being hired to do TV and it's not NASCAR-centered, that's a little odd to me. And in Santa Ana, California, a man was driving too fast on Sunday. He soared off a median divider and right into the second floor of a dental office. No major injuries were reported. Charges are expected to be filed against a driver who admitted to being driving while high. Yeah, not good. Not not what you want to do. He ended up uh, stationary high, too. That's true. <laughs> As an elevated because yeah. it was the second part. Um Yeah, just another thing you have to worry about when you go to the dentist. Uh, do We Care is brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's love it first slice. All right, back with Tim Benz of ESPN Radio Pittsburgh. What's going on down there with Tomlin? Kutch gone. That one's disappointing. Back in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the Booth, brought to you by Burdick Toyota and CH Insurance. Back tomorrow at 2 o'clock. In fact, uh, right as we're taking the air, tomorrow will be the release of the ACC football schedule for next year, just tweeted some stuff about that at Matt Park One. Also, the uh, retweeted the non-conference schedule for all the teams next year. We've uh, hit that uh, for Syracuse. The Orange are on the road to Western Michigan. They take on Wagner and Connecticut in the Dome next year, and uh, Notre Dame at uh, Yankee Stadium. Tim Benz, well traveled around the uh, ACC circles and Pittsburgh and Syracuse and all that good stuff. He joins us from ESPN Radio Pittsburgh. Hello, Tim. How are you? And one glorious year with Boston College, too, in Boston. Let's not forget that. There you go. Hey, let's um, let's start with the juicy stuff, and then we'll work our way to pit basketball, time permitting. But uh, all hex breaking loose in your city. I, I you know, f- watch the Pirates from afar because m- my friend uh, Jim Sadlin is a big Steelers and Pirates fan. I love PNC Park. I love Andrew McCutcheon. I think he's a great fit for the city. And uh, unfortunately, the business of the game dictates – and he got moved yesterday to uh, the Giants. That just feels uh, sad for everybody and concerned. Yes, uh, exactly. I think those are the sentiments here in Pittsburgh. And by the way, time permitting, the best way to describe <laughs> right. a good basketball team this year, by the way. Uh, yeah, with McCutcheon, it was Chapter 2 after Garrett Cole was Chapter 1. Uh, the Pirates 
executing that trade and the fallout of a Steelers uh, just horrific playoff loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, maybe trying to bury the story as best as possible, but trust me, it's still getting plenty of play around here. It's more symbolic than anything, Matt, because much like many other pirate trades that we've seen in recent seasons, not much came back and it was still was anticipated. But I think that because of who McCutcheon was, Pirate fans were hoping for more of an opportunistic read back from the general baseball public regarding the prospect hall and return, and that hasn't happened, and that's led to even more outrage beyond the sentimental, gee, we wish Kutch was still here stuff that you could have expected. You know, he's maybe the guy that does have the weight. It wouldn't be unprecedented, right, that he could go off, finish his career elsewhere, and still you know, not have the statue outside, but maybe still be the ambassador type or the Jersey retirement or whatever. I mean, I just thought he was a great fit, you know, in, in the games that have been there. He's an easy guy to root for, uh, made his home in Pittsburgh, right? Was his wife from there? Or, yeah, or, his wife yeah. is from here. A lot of people expect him to come back here. For crying out loud, he named his kid Steel. Right. I mean, how much how much more proof do you need that he wanted to stay here in Pittsburgh um, you know, when it comes to Kutch, uh, the fans loved him, maybe even more than the media did, you know, uh, this, you know, TV media and stuff like that. I mean, my gosh, the guy was on Ellen. So, you know, the TV cameras love him. Uh, he was great for the fans. deal. was sometimes a little spotty with the media, but that didn't matter to the fans. Uh, but he's the best and most influential pirate since Barry Bonds. Uh, Brian Giles is a real good baseball player, but he's nothing in terms of comparison to McCutcheon when you look at the hierarchy of Pittsburgh Pirate greats, especially in the post-Bonds era. That's how important he was, and he was the guy to come in during the dark years and help them get led out of those dark seasons, the most important guy on the field in that context. So it symbolizes an end of a rare era of good Pittsburgh Pirate baseball in the last 20 to 25 years. Yeah, and I love the park, and I'm overdue to, to get back. And I, I thought there was a great marriage between the whole game operation and the video board and the PA announcer, Andrew McCutcheon. I always thought that had a great uh, ring to it, the way they did it there. So we will miss that in our next uh, trip to PNC Park, unless, of course, it's against the Giants. All right, uh, Mike Tomlin, we see today that uh, the uh, all the owners that are not named Rooney involved with the Steelers are trying to make some sort of coup to get Tomlin out of there. Does he survive this? Yeah, well, I don't know if it's all the owners not named Rooney. I think the Pro Football Talk story just outlined the, all the owners who are not named Rooney but didn't really outline all those who are really making noise about his potential ouster. Um, I think he does survive because all the owners not named Rooney aren't all that important. <laughs> uh, you know, the operative words in, you know, limited partners and trying to remove Mike Tomlin are limited and trying. Uh, Tomlin will survive. I would be stunned if Rooney were to cave to this. This smacks Matt to me of SEC donors trying right. to get a coach out that they're mad at because their school didn't cover the spread against Vanderbilt. <laughs> um, it just, it, it doesn't mean that much to me when I know what the Roonies think about coaching stability. They've been three since 1969, after all. The only team with more stability in his coach position has been Syracuse and Bayon. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's worked that way. Uh, certainly for uh, for Syracuse, it's worked out. All right, time permitting literally is less than a minute now. And does is anybody paying attention? Unfor- I almost feel badly for this uh, Pitt basketball program. Jamie Dixon doesn't feel badly as he's uh, had – uh, TCU ranked all year, but uh, Pitt is in a complete rebuild. 
Yeah, they are. Uh, they're going through what the Pirates are about to go through. Uh, maybe even uglier. Uh, there's very limited talent. Uh, there's even fewer limited opportunities for optimism about them getting better. Uh, you know, they've got to win a game of the ACC here or there. So I think there is reason to be on your toes if you're a Syracuse fan, as I am as an alum. I don't want to see my school lose this pit team. I'd be embarrassed too. But to get to your earlier point, very few are paying attention because so much else is going on. So few people were even looking forward to the season that their failures thus far have barely been a blip. You're fantastic. Right on the button. Thanks, buddy. All right, man. Good talking to you again. Tim Benz of ESPN Radio in Pittsburgh. That'll wrap it up for us. Back tomorrow at 2 with the football schedule on ESPN Radio Syracuse.